Welcome to episode 33 of Central Intelligence Cinema. Today, we've got an Intel report for you talking about all the latest spy movie developments, as well as a lively chat about our favorite Bond villains. So without further ado, take it away, Pierce. Beg your pardon, forgot to knock. Welcome to the CIC, initiating security clearance. My name is Napoleon Soto. Bond. James Bond. Ethan Hunt. Felix Leiter. Ilya Kuriaki. Identity confirmed. Now, pay attention, 007. Welcome to Central Intelligence Cinema, a podcast dedicated to spy movies and secret agent pop culture. Your mission, should you decide to accept it. Remember, nothing ever goes according to plan. Tom, what do you think you're doing? the British Ambassador. Coming to you from an undisclosed location that might be a volcano, might be a horse stable, might even be the Legion of Doom's headquarters from under the sea. It's the Central Intelligence Cinema Podcast. I'm Jason Greenberg, and with me, as always, Ben Esslinger. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. And welcome back to the CIC the spy movie podcast that ponders whether we should have just hired Duran Duran to do the next four Bond themes after A View to a Kill. Oh, we definitely, they should have. Well, they definitely should have. I think that would have been a good choice. Absolutely. I might have even been willing to sacrifice the Golden Eye and the, uh, and the World is Not Enough. I might have been able to give those two up in order to get four Duran Duran ones in a row. Five Duran Duran I would have given both of those up to any other band except for AHA. <laughs> Uh, not that I don't like Tina Turner, but not her best work. Uh, yeah, I really like that one. But anyway. Golden Eye. How's it going, Jason? It's going all right, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I just, uh, I'm just happy that we're back at the undisclosed location together once again, back in effect, all that good stuff. Word. Word. <laughs> and uh, talking about our... Hashtag silly spy shit. Indeed. Uh, so uh, today we got some uh, we got some spy movie intel, and then we are gonna get into a discussion about our favorite and perhaps some of our least favorite uh, Bond villains. So it uh, should be a good time. Uh, but first, shout outs, shout outs. I need some shout out music. I might have to work on getting some <laughs> shout out, like some kind of little weird little shout out bumper, because you know it's fun. I'm trying to think of what would be a good. Spy-esque shout-out bumper. I don't know. I'll think on it. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. Shout-outs. Shout-outs. First of all, (laughs) this is kind of a silly one, but shout-out to Spain. We just recently had like a bunch of downloads from Spain, which is wild to me. (laughs) So, uh, hola. (laughs) I'll shout-out to a country. I don't care. So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, new listeners in Spain. Um, Also, a quick mention, I once again had some uh, ambassador duties for the CIC, and I was over on that uh, James Bond and Friends podcast for their uh, debrief episodes, and just recently released was the uh, Die Another Day episode of James Bond and Friends, so that was fun discussing uh, (laughs) a lovely little train wreck of a movie. (laughs) I challenge anybody to hear you say die another day and not hear Madonna sing that song. Yeah. And man, I mean, you know, you can't say it on James Bond and friends, but that movie was just, it was so woo as fuck. (laughs) And I'll tell everybody, I try when, when, when Ben is on these ambassadorial uh, duties, I do try to 
suffer through what he has to because <laughs> we're a team. We are a team. And, you know, if one of us suffers, we both suffer. So um, <laughs> what I do like to do is I like to watch it while he's recording and send him things uh, over the old cell phone to uh, to try and throw him <laughs> off his game a little bit. It hasn't worked thus far, but I know I'm going to come up with one thing that's going to make him laugh. That's right. I'll just, la- I'll just laugh right in the middle of the, of the recording. With- and when you're listening... <laughs> to that that particular podcast, uh, and he starts laughing. All of you know that was me. That's right. That's right. And there, uh, I will mention too. Uh, I may have just done ambassadorial duties uh, for one other movie in that series as well uh, in the uh, Craig era. So uh, I'll let you know about that, or I'm sure they will as well. So, but yeah, I got one more in the can with them. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. So thank you very much, James Page and the rest of the uh, James Bond and Friends crew. That was really fun. So when you're done, done listening to our podcast, then you can go check yes. out theirs. As always, <laughs> As always, you need to finish listening to this one before you go run off to somebody else. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, well, with the shout outs out of the way, should we uh, get into some intel? Let's do it. All righty then. Looking for a news story? Impress me. Transmitting CIC Intel dossier. They'll print anything these days. Okay, so Intel. Man, we haven't done one of these in a, in a hot second, man. You, you would think there'd been more ho- Intel out there. Well, things have been a little quiet out there. They actually have. A lot of things that seem to be on the forefront this summer that didn't appear Yeah, we this had, summer. Well, that, and we've had some mergers that have, I think, have slowed things down a little bit. Yeah. That yeah. whole thing with Discovery and Warner Brothers or whatever, that's a mess. <laughs> I, we could spend an entire hour talking about why I think that's going to be a train wreck, but oh, that's, yeah. that's not the subject that we discuss here on this no, podcast. No, 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 no. Tune no, into no. our next podcast, <laughs> Warner Brothers, What the Hell, coming soon to uh, a podcast channel near you. Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, first up on the uh, Intel list here is, so uh, not too long ago, uh, Gal Gadot's spy franchise to be vehicle, uh, Heart of Stone, Recently wrapped filming. Um, the movie also stars Fifty Shades of Grey star Jamie Dornan and Bollywood star Aliyah Bat. The movie was shot in UK, Italy, Iceland, Morocco, and Portugal and stars Godot as Rachel Stone. However, the plot and release date and other character names are still under wraps, so that's about all we know. It's just that they've wrapped on filming and hopefully we get a trailer this fall. Generally, after about three months after wrap is when we start, I feel like when we start- get a teaser or something like that. Yeah, we start getting something. And then usually by about six to eight months after that seems to be par for the course when they actually release something. That's fair. I'm hoping there's a a bare minimum of gold bustiers and- Tiaras and, and the like. I mean, yes, I, yes. As a fan of that sort of thing, I, I'm good with it, but I could use a little less Wonder Woman in my spy film, is what yeah, I'm saying. Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, Gal Gadot's lovely, though, and talented and everything else. It's going to keep letting you dig that hole there, man. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I did see some, uh, you know, like perusing the internets looking for more information about this movie. I did see a couple like behind the scenes shots and it looks cool. Like I've, I've seen just little bits and pieces of the outfit she's wearing. And like there was one where she's all like dirted up and, you know, got some little, little bruise, little fake bruises and cuts on her face right, and right. stuff like that. And 
And there was like even like a, a really small bit of what looked to be some sort of fight sequence between her and Aaliyah Bat. And so nice. I don't know. I think I think well, you know, she- I, and I think that one was uh, produced by uh, the same people who did uh the one with Charlize Theron that was on Netflix. Uh, oh. Um, uh, the Old Guard. The Old Guard. Yes, yes, yes. They're supposed to be making a sequel of that, too. Yeah. Unless Netflix doesn't do that. <laughs> so I believe that uh, some of the producers of The Old Guard had a hand in that. So hopefully hopefully yeah. we're, we're going to get something good there. Well, she was definitely the best part of that Red Notice movie. Yes, for sure. By far. By Or long, should yeah. we say modern interpretation of Raiders of the Lost Ark and every other Indiana Jones movie ever made. <laughs> right. Thank combined, you, Ryan Reynolds. Combined into one. Yeah. Next up on the list, we've got... Yeah, you remember that old, that movie we talked about maybe, I don't know, four months ago, five months ago, called Operation Fortune, Roost de Guerre? With, I do. Uh, I do, too. I remember watching the trailer with uh, Jason Statham, Hugh Grant, Aubrey Plaza, and Josh Harnett. Yeah. Still no sign of when or if we'll ever see that anytime soon. There's still no new release date after it got initially pushed back in, I want to say March. And the last story out there was in June that they went back into editing to remove like this Ukrainian gang uh, out of respect for the war that's going on in Ukraine. So, I I mean, I don't know if this is ever going to see the light of day. Well, (laughs) I I don't know if it's Warner Brothers that's producing this thing. I don't really think it is. It doesn't feel like they're... They're shtick. The way they're they're killing movies. They're going to Batgirl this thing and then we'll never see it again. But nobody Batgirls a Guy Ritchie movie. I feel like Guy Ritchie would just by sheer will force this thing to a to a conclusion even if it's straight to video right yeah video on demand something like that yeah and honestly i, I doubt it's warner brothers it's probably like Lionsgate or one of those smaller yeah. distributors that makes these kind of movies and i i also wonder how much of the movie was affected by this you know, are, are they going to have to go back into reshooting to get different lines, altered lines, so they're not I, You know, with this deep fake stuff and all that nonsense out there, I feel like if you had to make people's mouths look like they're saying something different. <laughs> you could you probably could, do it. There's probably a package, right? You know, what is like, yeah, we could do that for like, I don't know, $185,000. Thanks, Adobe. You know, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, it certainly isn't the audio work. No. No, because you, you bring in all the actors and have them go, I don't know, Russian yeah, instead of exactly. Ukrainian. And then you let the computer guys change the mouth around so they that it don't looks even right. need to come in at this point. I mean, listen, I work in TV and half the time our pickups are done on an iPhone and then just sent to us. That's what I'm saying. Like they just record it on the iPhone and, and email it to us. Yeah. So, so it, it makes me wonder what's holding it up. Yeah. And hopefully it's just a, let's release it in a season where it has a chance to do better. That's probably a lot of it is they want to get return on investment. And so, so they're looking for the right spot, which is weird because honestly, there hasn't been anything big in August Mm -mm. at all. And yet I feel like this would have been the best time to do it unless they're still poking around with everything and it's not quite cooked yet. I think maybe what they saw was, you know, Mavericks coming out. Right. Yeah, it's and, still and, and, I, and it's still juggernauting its way through. <laughs> You've got another big Marvel. You got Black Panther coming out in in November. Nope um, is still crushing it. Yeah. So my guess, if, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna let's see the uh, the envelope says. <laughs> Thank you, Carnac. Um, my guess, 
we're looking at February and March of next year. Yeah. Um, it's a slow season. It's a good opportunity for it to get some traction before we get into the summer months. Mm-hmm. And there really isn't going to be a whole lot out there, I'm imagining, that will challenge it. Not at that point. Right. Or they or they literally drop it in June of next year um, and try and hit it during the, the big movie season. But I, I'm going to guess- just ride the coattails off somebody else? Maybe. I, I'm going to guess- Mission Impossible. Yeah, well, <laughs> Mission, I forgot, you know, with Mission Impossible coming up. I'm definitely going to go with sometime between February and March of next year when it comes uh, out. Hmm. It's not Sad. like they're expecting to win any Oscars or no. <laughs> Sad though, because I was I was had high hopes, but you know. So uh, also laying very low right now is the uh, the Henry Cavill spy movie uh, Vehicle Argyle. Still no word on trailer or firm release date. Only that it's set to come out on Apple TV Plus later on this year. But there has been nothing aside from that seven second. Right. that we got like months and months ago with Henry Cavill in his really bad haircut. Well, see, and this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe they needed to go and have that haircut digitally do, enhanced. Do you think? <laughs> or, or, or they need to add a mustache. Add a mustache, exactly. It's kind of what I'm feeling at this point is that uh, they're just trying to do some digital uh, some digital mayhem there. And uh, I wonder if there was enough because there was there was definitely some talk online about like what is up with his fucking hair. <laughs> so well, I wonder if like they literally went back and went maybe we should do something different here. When an entire movie company scraps almost an entire movie like Sonic the Hedgehog because everybody complained about how the hedgehog looked and then spent 6 months rebuilding said hedgehog to look more like what they wanted. Right. I mean, that hair was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It wasn't and- ridiculous in style, it was ridiculous how fake it looked. I just don't know if they've got, sure, Apple's got deep pockets, but hmm. I mean, I just wonder how far into production they were when they released that tease. Well, and that's the thing I have to wonder. It was so small. It was almost, what was it, like one or two scenes, maybe? It could have been like the very first stuff that they shot. Right. And they just were like dying to get something out there to like wet people's whistle or something like that. But I mean, this is a big movie. There's a lot of people in this movie. Samuel L. Jackson is in it. Bryce Dallas Howard's in it. There's a bunch of Sure. Big names in that movie, like so. Well, maybe know. maybe Apple was waiting to see if they actually bought James Bond, mm, see whether could. or not they wanted to release a James Bond alternative with the guy they clearly wanted to hire to be James Bond. Right. <laughs> mm. I mean, I don't know. I feel like streaming, just in general, right now, is in such a state of flux. I mean, there's just oh, it absolutely is. Like I feel like there's more and more talk about what is the measurement for success on a streamer now is right. it is it new subscriptions is it just strictly downloads what is success now yeah. what what is what is the streaming nielsen yeah and so on the back end of that what's the bottom line for these companies and are they just sort of eating all these costs right now anticipating more money coming in and and maybe that's why we're starting to see cuz i feel like we're seeing a slowdown i agree it, there seems to be a reemphasis on a lot of the larger platforms of getting stuff in the theaters again. Mm-hmm. Everybody was running scared and they were all super flush. All the streamers were like, but we got your content right here. Right. All right. But now people are like, yeah, but I really miss paying a lot of money for overly buttered popcorn and really floppy hot dogs and that sort of thing. And <laughs> Yeah, but you do get a really big screen. That's and exactly really good it. Sound. A really good sound. And in most cases, comfortable chairs these days. Yeah. And it gets you out of the house. It's air conditioned. It's yeah. wonderful. It's lovely. So, And quite honestly, movies make more that way. 
Oh, absolutely. Far more money that way. Because it's it's you can measure how you're making money. Right. We made it for Literally, X amount of dollars. Admission. We have this amount of people paying to have it show in their theaters. Yeah. This is how much the actors get. This is how much the director gets. And then here's the marketing budget, which is and 70% of everything. And tickets to get in these days is like two months worth of a subscription. To, to anywhere. Any, to any streamer. Right. But people still pay it. Yeah. Because, because the experience is there. Right. So I think it's going to be this way for a while. Yeah. People, and I think we're going to see a lot more of companies Pac-Manning each other and becoming uber Conglomerates. Conglom- Basically, the whole nice thing about streaming was that I can pick this content, this content, this content, and I don't have to pay for this, that, or the other on my mm-hmm. cable to get what I want. But like with Warner Brothers and Discovery, which were two big giants, well, now they're one. Well, and quite frankly, there's a reason why cable existed in the first place was because of this very thing that we're seeing. We're basically seeing cable being reconstructed all right. over again. Recabled. Yeah, recabled all over again. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how things go. I am very curious how James Bond's future continues to exist. What with the Amazon deal and whatnot, mm-hmm. they already said that they're gonna. Well, I just saw that they signed a deal with Warner Brothers for overseas distribution after why, their. Why yes, Jason, and uh, what a excellent segue into our next uh, bit of intel. <laughs> totally unplanned. Totally, totally, totally unplanned. unplanned. Oh my goodness. We're so good. Um, <laughs> so yes, Warner Brothers has in fact penned an agreement with MGM for foreign distribution of 007 films starting with Bond 27. That is not the next one. Bond 26 is the next one. Uh, but starting with Bond 27 onward, and there was an additional story saying that Bond, quote unquote, Bond bosses have agreed. Now, I don't know if Bond bosses means the Broccoli's or MGM or Amazon or what have agreed to keep Bond movies on the big screen until at least 2037. Such a weird date. It I mean, re- it's 15 years. I, I get the, the, yeah. the number. But what happens to 2037? <laughs> well, <laughs> we're going to get to that. Um, um, but in the meantime, Bond 26 will be distributed by Universal Pictures International. But one quick caveat about that deal with Universal is that it's for the next three years. The question is, do we really think that we're actually going to get a Bond movie in the next three years? I hope so. I don't think we are. How is that possible, though? Look how look, look how long it took them. Yeah, but there was a pandemic involved. Even with that. even how long? Uh, well, I know. If you, if you even go back, Spectre took forever to come out. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they haven't even settled who's going to be the guy or the gal, yeah. as it were. Yeah. So so that twenty thirty seven thing also complicating this story, which ties into the the whole ending at 2037, is that in some countries like Japan and Canada, Bond has already entered the realm of public domain. So that could be why I, you know, I haven't done the math. I don't know when, I believe it's 75 years is the end, you know, like when a copyright exists. It used to be 70. I believe now it's 80 years, thanks to Disney. And I know Disney is trying to push to get that redone again because Mm -hmm. Mickey is coming up pretty soon Mm -hmm. again. But I think that the minimum is 80 years now after... But does that 80 years... Do you have to have the product come out after a certain time to qualify there's, for that? There's a qualifier, and I want to say it's it's 80 years after the death of the person that created it. But that doesn't sound right given the time frame. Although, no, because I mean, uh, Fleming. No, no. Well, because no, no, it doesn't. There, 
You know, it's funny. <laughs> I literally was looking at this stuff a month ago because my uh, cover identity, uh, I have to look <laughs> at this kind of stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, and so a month ago, I could have answered this question much more scholarly and legally than I can now. <laughs> I can't remember any of it now because wow. it's all resolved. I don't care now. Jason, we haven't brought back the scholarly term in quite some time. Well, you know, <laughs> I like to keep it uh, there in the back of my head in case uh, yeah. we need to use it for something. Yes. But I mean, it, that whole thing is definitely a concern mm-hmm. as far as a property like, like James Bond would be. But in, in the grand scheme of things, there's Bond movies and mm-hmm. then there's Bond movies. Right. You know, Never Say Never Again. Is the redheaded stepchild right. of James Bond? It gets treated more poorly than the original Casino Royale because nobody even looks at the original one with David Niven as if it was a James Bond right. movie. Which right? is funny because there are some people out there who champion Never Say Never Again. I I love it. It's a better version of Thunderball for sure. But you know, at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that the James Bond community is a little devoted. Yes. To its subject matter. Oh, yeah. Sometimes to the detriment of other human beings who are not as devoted to said um, (laughs) subject matter. And because of that, there's always going to be the Bond movies movies. and a Bond movie, right? Right. You know, so whether that becomes the content is only the real Bond available on Amazon Prime Mm -hmm. or something to that effect. Um, Because let's face it, you could make a Bond movie in Canada. Right. And it's going to have the characters and everything else, but it's not officially sanctioned. Right. Well, and funny you mentioned that, too, because there's actually right now Canada. So sort of leads into our next topic here. But Japan and Canada now, it's public domain. And they in Canada, they've already released a novel, a James Bond novel, like an offshoot novel, because it's now public domain. I mean, it got slammed. Everyone I know, you know, I just talked to James Page about it. People hate it, um, but it's out there. You can now do that in Canada. I don't know what the rules are as far as distributing a book like that, since most of the world's copyright laws are the same as ours in America. Yeah. There's this sort of cooperative well, thing if- going on, but in places like Japan and Canada, you've got different rules. And I don't know, is it going to be more difficult to import a piece of... I feel like Hmm. if it's published in Canada, I don't see why you couldn't sell it in the United States without any problem. There's no violation of the copyright if it was printed in another country. Right. I don't think that it... But I I think an argument could be made by uh, Amazon, MGM, Broccoli... They need like a like an acronym together <laughs> that they could argue for preventing it from happening, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know. I wonder if you'd be it'd be illegal to sell it domestically, but you could import it. You could buy it as an import. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes down. Yeah. Because I, you know, there was this huge thing about Superman, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was being driven by the families, the estates of the creators of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Superman's been around for 80, one, two, three, 83 years. And so he should be out of that. But he's also been continuously published nonstop since then. And I think there's something that affects that as well. Oh, okay. But, you know, Warner Brothers jealously is guarding the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all that stuff. That's why they keep the comics going. It doesn't make anybody any money anymore. But -hmm. as long as they're continually producing the material, it holds the copyright. copyright. So this is maybe the first big character that might have 
had that opportunity to slip. Now, I don't know if Disney hold tries to, you know, push their way into things in other countries. Mm-hmm. They probably have the cash to do it. Right. MGM did not have the cash to no. do it, I'm guessing, and neither did Eon. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what facilitated most of the stuff. Because, you know, if this had been coming up when Amazon was around, they'd have been like, Money, anyone? Money? Money? Oh, we have all kinds of money. You want English money? We got English. You Oh, you need Spanish, but we got Spanish money. Do you need Dactaris from Mars? Here's your Dactaris from Mars. We got it. We got it. And if we don't got it, we can make it. That's right. But uh, I digress. Speaking of uh, public domain, a, uh, in Japan, an all-female review has announced a stage production titled Casino Royale, My Name is Bond. So we will have our first female James Bond very soon. But technically, it's not. Okay? This is the thing. This That's the way it was, like, put out on the internet to, like, get people all outraged sure. and pissed off or whatever. You know, that's... Let's let's get the uh, the crusty old fuckers out to get mad at, at everything, and you know because they're only reading the title and not reading the actual story. Because the thing is, is it's an all female review, so the females play the males, and so technically the character is still male in the review. It's just played by a female playing a male. You know, sort of like when that dude it's, Bill Shakespeare was doing plays, and right. Everybody was played by dudes. This is essentially reverse Kabuki theater. So it's first being hosted at the, I'm going to screw this up so bad, Takarazuka Grand Theater in March and April of 2023, before then going to Tokyo in May and June. So it will be uh, performed by the Takarazuka Review. Oh, I did it much better that time. Um, (laughs) An all-female theater troupe established in 1913. It will be written and directed by Shuichiro Koiki, which I'm sure I'm screwing up, and star uh, Suzuho Makazi as James Bond. So that's interesting. And I would actually love to see that. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be really interesting to see a stage production. I believe this might be the very first stage production of James Bond. But correct me if I'm wrong, if you know, and if you don't, tens of listeners, knock yourself out. Yes. Um... Isn't a review sort of a musical kind of thing? Could very well be. <laughs> and so my question is, what's a James Bond musical look like? Oh, Less boy. than a stage production, I want to see a James Bond musical. <laughs> and as much as I, I would love to see that in Japanese, I really want to see that in English. Because yeah. I want to see the lyrics on that bad boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> my name just, is Bond, Bond, Bond. My name is Bond, Bond, just, Bond. I, James I, Bond. I, but I want it like... <laughs> Double entendres all over the place. Just oh, absolutely. play on words everywhere you go. I will tell you right now, somebody get me the music. I will write the best lyrics you ever heard. <laughs> so that's interesting. I'm definitely going to have to follow up on that one. Uh, next up, um, comic book news. Woo! Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the series James Bond Agent of Spectre, which um, originally came out in July of last year, is being collected into a hardback and will be out on October 4th. I've already pre-ordered that, so I'm very excited for that. Um, The basic storyline is that Bond recruited into the terrorist organization by Ernst Starvero Blofeld to end an internal power struggle that could have apocalyptic consequences. In a Bond book? In a Bond story? Apocalyptic consequences never never <laughs> this one we may have to cover i don't know it this seems is... interesting although <laughs> when I you lo- told me about this the first thing that i got was steve rogers agent of hydra and i'm just like <laughs> 
That wasn't that great either. Uh, hmm. A lot of cosmic cubes and red skull involved in that. They no. don't have any cosmic cubes that I know of in the Bond universe. No, so no. The shit, no cosmic cubes. It, it probably has a little more depth is what I'm, yeah. I'm saying. Might be some CO2 lasers, but we don't know. Lasers. Lasers. Yeah, I just don't, uh, I don't, it's very rare that I collect individual issues of comics, so I have not read this yet, so. And finally, in Bond-related news, Pinewood Studios have announced that a new soundstage will be named in honor of the late Sir Sean Connery. And that was announced on what would have been his 92nd birthday this past Thursday. Uh, Officially named the Sean Connery Stage, the 18,000 square... (laughs) Why are you laughing? How do you pronounce that again? The Sean Connery (laughs) Stage? The Sean Connery Stage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The 18,000-square-foot purpose-built soundstage is one of five new stages opening on the Pinewood Studios lot. Absolutely deserved. I really need to get over to the UK and do the Pinewood tour. I really want to do that. thought you were going to say Derby for a second. (laughs) Well, I've done the Pinewood Derby. (laughs) There was a scandal at mine when I was a kid. I'll tell you about that after the podcast. But uh, let's get into some fun stuff. Let's talk about our favorite and maybe least favorite Bond villains. Dun dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Jason stares trepidatiously at his notes. <laughs> so, how do we want to do this? This is something we did not pre-plan as far as how we were going to list these. Do you just want to like uh, each do our full list and then we can? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man, because I'm sure we've got some similar ones. Oh yeah, I'm but... sure. All right. So, so maybe we just run through your list, my list, and then right. we we discuss. I'll give you a topic. <laughs> All right. James Bond is neither James nor no Bond. Bond. Discuss. <laughs> All righty then. So we we did agree. We did do some pre planning. I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it's more of a formatting issue, less of a content issue. That's right. That's right. We did agree to write down our top five Bond villains. And so I will go backwards in order from five. And uh, at number five, I have Oric Goldfinger, Gert Frobe. I mean, it's Goldfinger. I mean, you can't not have... He's the quintessential he Bond He absolutely villain. is. He is the absolute quintessential Bond villain. Do I think others eventually improved on it? Yes. Yes, I do. But I do think that he stands the test of time as far as being a lunatic being ruthless. And he has arguably the best James Bond villain line in the entire franchise. He really does. The no, exp- Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Exactly. I mean, he always has authority. I think also it helps that he has arguably the most iconic hench person in the entire franchise. Um, oh, absolutely. Maybe, well, Jaws. No, I guess he's even more iconic than Jaws because when you see anything referring to James Bond and his henchmen, the hat comes off and the mm-hmm. statue gets decapitated. Indeed. So that is number five on my list. Now, I will actually uh, bring this up too um, because otherwise, um, I know our tons of listeners may have a bone to pick with me regarding this list. Now, my Bond villains list is based off movie Bond. It is not based off the yes. li- it is not based off the literary Bond because this list would definitely change if it was literary Bond villains. Yeah, mainly because I only know the ones from the movies, <laughs> so I would still have the exact same list that I have That's right, right now. That's right. But it's a good good caveat out there. Yes, yeah. yes. All you folks out there, please pay attention. Yes. <laughs> because when we get to least favorite, you're going to be like, why the hell did he put that person in least favorite? And it's like, well, we're not talking about literary Bond. We're talking about 
how it's portrayed in the movie, how it comes off in a movie. That's right. So, Once again, we are not scholarly. Nope. <laughs> so literary, literary and scholarly go hand in hand. I fake it till I make it when I'm on James Bond and Friends, but that's as far <laughs> as I guess. <laughs> um, so number four is Max Zorin, played by none other than Christopher Walken. Ooh! We've talked all about him Max. in our last two episodes. You are probably sick of the Christopher Walken impression, <laughs> yeah. but I guarantee you're probably going to hear it again. We gave so. you three hours of Christopher Walken impressions. I will leave mine hanging on the hanger. I'm afraid it's almost a, a it's, congenital defect it, for it me. Really is. So it's, it's, I apologize in advance. <laughs> I'm probably going to say it anyway. So, yeah. I mean, Christopher Walken, what have we not already said in our last two episodes? But he's just, he's brilliant in it. He's just, Christopher Walken is great. The villain himself is great. It's a great idea. That's not not much more I can say about that because we've really covered it pretty heavy. Sure. Um, so, view to a kill on that one. At number three, I have Ernst Stavro Blofeld as played by Telly Savalas in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I love this version of Blofeld. Now, I will just tease out there that I have Blofeld in both my top Bond villains and in my least favorite Bond villains. Oh, I can guess which one that is. But uh, the one portrayed by Telly Savalas in Honor Majesty's Secret Service is awesome. I love him because he's smart. He's cool. He's really cool. Like, he's the coolest Blofeld. That's because he's Telly Savalas. Yeah. He's uh, physically capable. He's almost a match for Bond in a fight. Like, when when we see Bond and, and Blofeld fighting in Honor Majesties, it's it's an even fight. It's not like Bond is... It's not like in the, you know, the Donald Pleasance version, you know, Bond would easily take down Donald Pleasance's Blofeld. So. Just by taking the kitty cat. <laughs> so, yes. Number three, definitely Pelle Savalas' Blofeld. And I really struggled with two and one, man. I really struggled because they're neck and neck. But at number two, I have Electric King, played by Sophie Marceau in the movie The World Is Not Enough. And I just, I love that we have at least one really great female villain in the Bond franchise. And she is just spectacular. Uh, Sophie Marceau plays it so well. She's beautiful. She's Her character is so smart and manipulative and uses her sex appeal and her smarts. And there's a bit of deception going on in the movie about who the actual villain is. You think it's Renard initially, and then it ter- it's revealed that she's really the one that's essentially pulling the strings. And so I just think she's fantastic she is absolutely way up on my list she was almost number one almost almost she's just she's great so electric king at number two and finally number one probably to the surprise of very few i have silva played by javier bardem in skyfall he is just i think what took him over electric king is the scary factor Mm -hmm. silva is scary as a villain he is frightening i always go back to that scene where he's in the clear glass prison and he starts talking to m and he takes out his teeth and he's Mm. talking about you know when he took his cyanide pill that was inside his molar and every and it's just he's frightening he's smart 
he's he's everything I want in a Bond villain. He's capable. The fact that he's a basically defected, right, from MI6, so he knows spies. Just he's just as good as Bond, really, probably. So, and he's Max Zorn, but and uh, he's Max Zorn, and <laughs> and Javier <laughs> Javier Bardem is such a good actor. On exactly. top of everything. He just owns that role. He just makes it so... I think in other hands, it wouldn't have been as great as it was. I agree. And so, you know, it, sometimes you just got to go to a current movie to find a classic. And he really, for me, he's my favorite Bond villain of all time. So that is my top five. All right. Well, I have a top five list here, too. All right. Well, why don't you... And I only have five because I'm not as cool as David Letterman, so I can't actually <laughs> get ten. Um, surprisingly, we have three matches. Three matches. Yeah, yeah. and we mm. actually have two that are in the same place. Wow. So, okay. great minds. Think alike. And then there's us. Um, <laughs> the CIC, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll be here all week. Honestly, no. You guys don't want to listen to us for a week. All right. At number five, I have Oric Goldfinger. Hey! Uh, for all the, all the reasons you just said, mm-hmm. he is the prototype for every other Bond villain Absolutely. out there. And relatively restrained in yeah. terms of the performance, probably a lot because it didn't speak English very well. Right. Um, but it still served. He was over the top when he needed to be over the top and uh, moderately evil yes. when, when he wasn't. You uh, know, I, I, I will interject too. I think one of the things that helped me on my list as far as making sure that Goldfinger was part of the list was actually the comic books recently. The newer comic books, Goldfinger is portrayed as just ruthless as hell. Hmm. And I think that swayed me just a little bit. Because there were other... We'll get to honorable mentions here in a second. I had other candidates that were real close to hitting number five. But I think reading some of the more recent James Bond comics, the portrayal of Goldfinger is really cool. Well, and again, I think you pointed out, it's uh, just iconic, right? Yeah, You know, so... Are there others that maybe I could have put ahead? Sure. But would I be able to sleep at night making that decision? Yeah, I'd probably sleep fine. It's just James Bond. But <laughs> at, by the same token, Ouch. I feel like you can't make this list without putting that character somewhere in the top five. Just yeah. because everything that's come from that movie is in some way slightly influenced. By yes. It. And I will say, too, there are other quote-unquote iconic villains who are definitely not on my list. Oh, I know. The two of them on mine. Yeah. There you go. All right. <laughs> so at number four, because there's so many, the odds of not getting an Ernst Stavro Blofeld on a list <laughs> seems unlikely. But at number four, I have, and I'm predicting this is the one that's going to be on Ben's list on the other side, uh, Ernst Stavro Blofeld as portrayed in No Time to Die and Spectre by Christoph Waltz. <sighs> wow. Wow. Because really? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I wow. and I'm going to tell you why. Because to me, he sold it just as well as Javier Bardem sold Silva. He didn't play the Blofeld that came before him, or the one before that, or the one before that. He made it his own, and he brought his proper waltzness to the role. All right, which was a little silly in some circumstances. I will freely admit. You're making you're making some cases here. You're making logical cases i i don't i still don't think he makes my top five in any (laughs) but okay okay i just you know i i don't think you could have had a more serious blofeld in the daniel craig films because he was playing it very 
close to the chest and serious as Bond. I think you needed somebody who was a little more over the top. But the thing is, I don't think he was over the top enough. I think he was just the right amount of over the top. Just like I think Javier Bardem was just the right amount of over the top. But instead of being... That one part that I think that Waltz missed on that you maybe get from the Javier Bardem kind of thing, there's no fear. I wasn't afraid Mm -hmm. of him in the same way. Right. Because I don't think he projects that that way. Right. That's not his. That's not his shtick, right. as far as it goes. Yeah. You know, there were some times, particularly in No Time to Die, where he could have been very terrifying in yeah. his very small scenes, and kind of chose not to be that, but to be more Gustav, yeah. you know. But I enjoy watching the performance, and it stands out in my head. And I think it was another qualifier for my list is when I'm going through the cobwebs of Bond movies I haven't seen for a while. Mm-hmm. Who am I remembering? The performances of mm-hmm. and his definitely stand out as being what I think the character should be. Fair enough. <laughs> more to, more to be said later. More I'm to be sure. said later for sure. Um, so <laughs> number three on Jason's top five James Bond villain list. Mm-hmm. What Ernst Stavro Blofeld again? <laughs> Only this time from You Only Live Twice, played by Donald Pleasance. You know, I'll just skip ahead real quick and say that he is on my honorable mentions because he was real close to making this list. I, you know, because he's very iconic. Exactly. He's, I mean, it's the template for Dr. Evil. Correct. So it's kind of. He it is more sense. iconic from a pop culture standpoint. Yes. Kill Bond. Exactly. <laughs> and I've got the little kitty, number two. Um, it's so hard not to do Lauren Michaels voice while I'm doing that <laughs> at the kitty motion, but that's the thing. So when you think when Bond people probably think of movie villains, I think you get more Goldfinger. I think more people outside of the Bond community think Odd Job than they do Goldfinger. But Blofeld is the one that everybody thinks of. Thank you, you know Mike Myers right. and everybody else. But that's the iconic Bond villain, bald with a scar. Off yes. we go, kitty, kitty, little kitty cat, <laughs> and the little. You know, the, North the, Korean high collar jacket. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I think his performance in it as a kind of this detached, sort of megalomaniacal person. Yes. Very, yes. very low key because he has other people to do the dirty work for right, him. Right. So unlike the Telly Savals version, he wants to get in there and get his hands dirty. Right. <laughs> you know, this blowfoot is like. Go kill Bond now, you know. Yes. You know. So in He's my the mind, genius. exactly, He's the super genius that just tells everybody else what to do. Exactly, and that is a Bond villain, a classic Bond villain to me. The newer Bond villains are the more handsy, more get involved kind of yeah. kind of people. But I think your Sean Connery Bond was definitely all about evil geniuses, mm-hmm. less about you know punchy oh, yeah. punchy kicky stabby stabby. Right, kill Bond now. So that's number three for me. I have two more. I have <laughs> two more to go. In fact, my next one may or may not have been on your list as well. Ooh. I can't imagine who it is, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. The energy is palpable. It's Wow. More power. Max Zorn from A View to a Kill. Again, for all the reasons that I beat like a dead horse (laughs) in our last two podcasts. I really, I feel like Max Zorn was the introduction to the modern Bond villain. Yes. Gets the hands on, is obviously a sociopath, but- Psychopath. 
Psychopaths. All, all the so, all, he's got all There the is paths. not a path that Max Zorn did not follow. <laughs> but he upped the game in terms of acting. Because as I said during our, our review of the movie, he was the only one that seemed to show up every day and do his job with any kind of interest. You know, and consistency. And consistency. He really showed us that you could have this crazy guy who was still smart enough to engineer these plans to do all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And damn, if he isn't just enjoyable to watch. He is. You can't take your eyes off him. And you certainly can't help but listen to him because of his interesting you know, way of speaking. I and did, dialogue choices. Yeah. I mean, I did read up a little bit on, about him. And he grew up with parents, I believe, I want to say it was German parents who had immigrated. And so his version of English was greatly influenced by his parents, which is why he has this weird Brooklyn slash German influenced version of English. Right. Which is why he talks the way he does. Uh, And the pauses are very... A certain level. (laughs) Intriguing. He's he's making choices. (laughs) I've heard William Shatner talk. (laughs) And I've heard William Shatner act. (laughs) They're not the same thing. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Until they come up with somebody better than him in my number one, he's always going to be at number two. Just because when I think Bond villain, and I'll tell you what, I always thought A View to Kill was a much better movie than it actually was. At least it hasn't aged well for me. But his Mm. performance was still solid all the way through. Yes. So, and number one, we both agree. We both agree. This is no surprise to you because we've talked about this on the podcast, off the podcast. Mm -hmm. Raul Silva, Skyfall, Javier Bardiem, you're the winner. Yay! (laughs) For all the reasons you said. Yes. He just sold it. Yeah. He sold it. He was frightening. He was charming. Charming, too. Yes. Right. Very charming. And I think you could argue had the best chemistry of any of the Craig villains with Daniel Craig. Yes. They both. Very much so. There was just. I mean, it helps, too, that I, if I remember correctly, I know that they knew each other well before the film. I think they actually played rugby together for a while. So there was this. Very chummy vibe, I think. Exactly. And they even, were very comfortable, even, even in the uncomfortable scenes that they had to film. Right. Even in that scene. <laughs> the scene. The scene. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Mr. Bond. Oh, Mr. Bond. <laughs> so, honorable mentions. Now, I already mentioned uh, Donald Pleasance from uh, You Only Live Twice, which is on your top five list anyway. Uh, so he was on my honorable mentions. Also, I had uh, Mr. Big and Baron Samdi, played by Yafit Koto and Jeffrey Holder off Live and Let Die. I do think that they did a job for sure, especially uh, Baron Samdi, although that's more of a hench person than it is a, a mm. villain. But Baron Samdi, is, I feel, is very iconic with the top hat and the, the face paint and the whole, you know, voodoo. Oh, yeah. Scary thing. So... Um, and then I did pick one other villain I know you're going to disagree with me on as an honorable mention, but he is scary in the movie, even though I know you hate the movie, <laughs> is Sanchez, played by Robert Davi in, Lic- in License to Kill. Because <laughs> he is terrifying in that movie. Robert- and he's so, he's so fucking ruthless. Like, And the one-two punch between him and Benicio Del Toro is so good. So... Is there some problems with that movie? Yes, because it feels like an 80s cocaine-fueled action movie. But 
It's not he, a James Bond movie. He is great as a villain. Robert, he's so good in that that's movie. That's what he's done for 90% of his career. Well, he should be good at it Well, by now. there you go. He's a specialist. He's, <laughs> you bring in somebody who knows how to do a job. We need to bring in a closer for this film. <laughs> and he's fantastic in that movie. So that's just that was my other honorable. I don't honorable I don't argue with that performance-wise. The movie's garbage. <laughs> I but, disagree with that, but okay. But Robert Davi cannot play a bad, bad guy. Right. He's fantastic at it. He's, he's just, just, he's he, a just looks, for Pete's sake. he just looks the part. Right, exactly. Well, I don't really have any honorable mentions because um I don't. <laughs> I think I think most of the Bond villains, aside from the ones that I mentioned, don't stand out as much in my head in mm-hmm. terms of their overall performances, um, except for some of the bad ones. And I mean, they're all perfectly adequate <laughs> for what be... the movie needed, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I will, uh, I will defer to your superior oh. Bond judgment in this case. Yeah. If we were talking about honorable mention for Star Wars villains, I'm good. Comic book villains, you're gonna get crushed. Uh, <laughs> but. You know, in terms of, since I did not have the time to go watch 24 movies, right? Um, I kind of had to go with what sticks out in my head. Yeah. And like I said, everybody else seemed perfectly adequate except for a couple. Yeah. And speaking of those few that stick out as not being so great, I did put together a, a five least favorite. Okay. Well, I don't got five, but I, I could I keep up with you on that. Let's roll. All right. All right. So... Uh, at number five on the least favorite Bond villains for me personally, I had Aristotle Christatos from For Your Eyes Only, played by uh, uh, General Veers. General Veers. Walter uh, Donovan. Julian Glover. Also known as Walter Donovan. Yes. <laughs> Walter Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> the Grail, Dr. Jones. Uh. <laughs> I have a pretty convincing American accent, considering I'm not from America. <laughs> I just and it's not because of him. He's a great actor. Sure. He, he's he's a fantastic actor. I just felt like he was spineless, gutless, kind of a creeper too, because mm-hmm. he's kind of lusting after his teenage uh, protege, protege or whatever. It's just it's gross. It's, it's just it he's, is. He's just not. He's just a meh villain, and even less. Uh, you know, a lot of people bag on Dominic Green from Quantum. Right. I would say he's more he's like a dominant green but even less likable uh, well, or not less likable but less standouty good in a good way as a villain yeah dominant green character while i know a lot of people thought was kind of blah at least had a motivation the actor was invested in that motivation yes, yeah and i think i know i'm gonna get in trouble from some bond fans about, i actually think he was written better too well i was gonna say this is what i was gonna say that type of villain suits the viewer better now yeah in the the 21st century mm-hmm. than it did back then because there are human beings that are literally like Dominic Green right now Elon right Musk and uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos and you know it's more plausible yes right but yes. when you get a kind of a milk toast bond villain in the early 80s yeah and there you were transitioning right you were, were before Max right mm-hmm. but we're still sort of floating after Hugo Drax <laughs> and sort of in this wasteland of what a Bond villain is supposed to be. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, Roger Moore was that franchise. Nobody cared about the bad guys anymore. People were going to go see Roger. It really was all about Roger in his era. I mean, most of the villains in the Roger era are not great. I mean, aside from Yafikoto, uh, 
Yeah, and I mean, you get <laughs> you get the second, technically the second best henchman ever. Yeah. But but the villains, I mean, yeah. even though The Spy Who Loved Me is in my top five movie Bond movies of all time, I do not think that the villain is great. It's meh. He's, he's just kind of meh. Uh, like Stromberg's just kind of... Well, and <laughs> I think I might have brought this up in our... Uh, Intel report after the last time I was on James Bond and Friends about things I can't say on James Bond and Friends. <laughs> but Stromberg reminds me of this guy that local to the uh, undisclosed location owns a uh, a franchise of furniture and he advertises such furniture uh, on television with these baby tigers and he looks just like Stromberg. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. He does. <laughs> and that's all I think of when I see Stromberg oh, no. in, in The Spy Who Loved Me. He's not, <laughs> now he's not on my least favorite villains, because I do think that the actor did a pretty good job, but he's just not memorable. Sure. You know, just to go back to what you were saying is that the, the Roger era was not great for villains. No, it was great so. for Bond. It was great for Bond. There were a lot of great Bond movies in there, but so yeah. Uh, also on my least favorite. Now I know you're probably going to disagree with this one because I know that you like diamonds are forever. You're a mm-hmm. diamonds are forever fan, but I do not like the Charles gray Blofeld. He's just like with the, with well, the wig mean, and, you, the, you, the, and the, and the, and the dress and like the, and just sort of just kind of spineless and corny and just, I don't know. He just doesn't do it. He's not a ruthless Blofeld. No. He's just weird. He's weird. And not in a super interesting way. No, 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 no. Well, my, my, my love for, for Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> well, there's a couple of reasons why. It's definitely, there's three reasons why. It's not the movie itself. It's the location. It's the location where, undisclosed location I may have uh, in one of my cover stories grown up. It's, it's Jill St. John. Um <laughs> And it's and I I know I never get their names right, but Iganook, the 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 henchman in it, Wint and Kid. Yes. So yeah, so Mister. They are Wint, great. Yeah. They are great hench people. Yeah, I mean they, they almost they almost make up for the bad blowfield. I couldn't agree more. And again, as I know, sometimes your hench people are actually better than your your villain. In yeah. a lot of the cases. Yeah, very much more so. memorable. Um, Witt and Kidd are certainly more memorable than Charles Gray. Right. So I don't have a problem with the movie. I think the choice is good because he's definitely not my favorite Blofeld. <laughs> um, I, I would actually take Mike Myers' Blofeld <laughs> yes. over that oh, Blofeld. Very much so. <laughs> Even in a Bond movie, I would take him. At least he's funny. Speaking of funny, but not in a really great way, uh, at number three is uh, Gustav Graves. Played by Toby Stevens. Completely agree. Played by Toby Stevens and Die Another Day. Uh, just, you know, I actually really like Toby Stevens as an actor, but it's mainly just the character and the direction that Lee Tamahori gave him just to take it so far over the... You know, well, maybe part of it is his performance. It's not, it's not my favorite performance from him. Well, I understand that it's difficult... To play the dude playing another dude. I'm a dude playing, playing the a dude, dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> exactly. There are right ways to do it, mm-hmm. and there are wrong ways to do it. And he chose all the wrong ways to do it. Yeah. I just... And then couple that with like... Rosamund Pike was a better bad guy in that movie. Oh, absolutely. Rosamund- I wish she had been in charge of all of it. It would have really elevated that movie. It would have added such an element. That's a really good shout. 
I never thought about that before, but that's a good... Like, if they had made the, the be colonel like the, the a other, woman... It'd be like another Electric King type thing. Right. Well, you know, it's funny, watching it again in my, my sympathy rewatch while you were recording, <laughs> I at first thought, did he swap out the torturer chick from the beginning of the movie and had her oh. face changed to look like Rosamund Pike? But right. then I'm like, oh no, she is just this badass right. doing her own thing. I'm like, this is way better. Yeah. Right? But no, that dude just sort of like, he just showed up. And it didn't help too, just the movie itself. I mean, you know, with the whole like body armor suit thing he's wearing at the end with the Nintendo power glove. Oh my God. Like, I'm just like, God, I mean, that's just, that's part of the movie that I can't stand anyway. It's just, it's just corny. I wish they had kept the original actor playing. The, the North Korean yes. colonel without any of the facial stuff yes, on him. Yes, because he was fantastic, Yeah, actually. he was selling it. He was selling he it. He was fully invested. Yes. But, you know, die another day. Thanks, Lee Tamahori. What a guy. What a director. Wait, wait, wait till we do this one. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> so, uh... At number two on my least favorite villains list, <laughs> which is in direct opposition to Jason, is Blofeld from Spectre and Die Another Earth. Uh, and, and No Time to Die. Boo! Let me say it again for the people in the back Blofeld is not Bond's fucking stepbrother! So you're complaining about how the writers wrote it? It's part of it. Part of the movie thing. So that is part of it. And. I all again, I don't think he took the crazy kooky maniacal part of it far enough. I think that and this may be down to direction. I mean, I don't want to like rehash our Spectre episode all over again <laughs> because I do think that Sam Mendes is somewhat to blame for what Christoph Waltz does or at least and not obviously not in No Time to Die but in Inspector. Inspector. I feel like the direction was part of what happened there, but I do feel like as an actor you need to sometimes make your voice heard or maybe like not be intimidated by the fact that you're in a big Bond movie and take it where you think it should go. And I feel like from the interviews I've read with him is that he didn't do that. He didn't grab it, grab the bull by the horns and really be uh, the Blofeld that he thought he should be. Like he wasn't maniacal enough. He was just too, all I do, all I think about is that fucking board meeting. I think about that fucking meeting and I, I'm just like, nope, you suck. Forget it. You're out. So he's, so he's number two on my least favorite. But, but not I, number one. But not number one. And I think you will probably agree with me. My number one least favorite villain of all time in the Bond franchise is Brad Whitaker, played by Joe Don Baker in The Living Daylights. <laughs> I don't some disagree. Pe- some people... Uh, sort of pair in him with Yorgi in that movie. But I actually think Yorgi's far more interesting than than Joe Don. Joe Don Baker just plays every generic military American yeah, guy. Absolutely. He's just such a bad stereotype and he's so uninteresting and he's so not threatening. I can't stand him. He's it, it, And it sucks too because I love The Living Daylights for the most part, mainly because of Timmy. Sure. Because Timmy's fantastic in the movie, and a lot of the movie is fantastic because you don't even see the villain most of the time. Most of the time, all you get is the super awesome hench person. Right. Dude, that movie suffered from having too many bad guys in it. It did. It did suffer from having too many bad guys, and it just... And if John Don Baker's the one you're going to lead with... Yeah, you're in trouble. You need somebody that's a little bit more invested. 
I still maintain that because Timothy Dalton was probably not their first choice, and I say probably in air quotes because he definitely wasn't their first choice to be Bond after Sir Raj left, that they didn't double down on making a great Bond movie. I think that they were hesitant to go full blonde, just, you know. I, I agree. And I, I think we might have touched base on this with when we did it. Although I think that one's still lost to time, isn't it? It is lost to time. Um, we may have to. We might have to redo that one. But yeah. I kind of feel like they were at that really weird rebooting era at the beginning after Roger left. Mm-hmm. With the legal issues that, that would follow. But also because did the world need James Bond in the 80s? Because did mm-hmm. it? There was so much going on politically. The Cold War was coming to a close. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that we got an entire movie about drug dealing, it, it sort of fell into that. That well, and let's also, crank out a an action movie in the eighties that doesn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger, but has I don't know this guy. I also think that uh, Cubby and company were kind of running out of ideas too. They're they running out of original material. I mean, The Living Daylights is a short story; it's not a novel, right? So you're you know you're just picking little bits and pieces out of Fleming at this point. There's not much left, you know, or at least that you have the rights to, right? Yet, and so. But I mean, you're you're coming off of having, dare I say it, maybe a more a much bigger icon of a James Bond mm-hmm. in Roger Moore than maybe even Sean Connery because he had a much longer tenure. Right. I think most people realize Sean Connery played James Bond, but for most of the people that are definitely in the '80s, they came up with Roger, mm-hmm. not Sean. That would be me. Yeah, exactly. Even me, for that matter. I mean, yeah. uh, there was the I was alive when Diamonds Are Forever was released. I wasn't watching it. <laughs> um, I was more interested in, I think, bright lights, shiny, S- colorful objects. No, no, no. I was like two. Oh, so, okay. you know, shiny <laughs> things that were ah, just right. out of my depth perception. Right, right, um, right, right. But so you had this whole thing and all of a sudden you have to rethink, re- basically reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, because nobody's going to want that anymore. You could tell how it was charting. We're all kind of done with Pretty Boy Roger, more Bond. We want something else. And they just had nowhere to go with it. Yeah. Again, and I, I think I've said this before too, I think the Daniel Craig movies were the Bond they were shooting for, but you couldn't make that in the 80s. They just didn't and, buy it. And Timothy Dalton, who was fabulous, I think he was great as Bond, just... I don't think I don't think he was dastardly enough back then. He is now. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, like in Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah. Or <laughs> or you know, his turn on Penny Dreadful. Yeah. Some of the other things that he's done, he can play that. But I think he needed the the age, the the gravitas that comes along with his age to be truly menacing. But imagine if they had given him like two more movies. I know he he, he was he kind of getting into his stride. He would have got there. And I have, I know I have said this before. Mm-hmm. If you'd kept him and gotten rid of Pierce and just let him make the next four some odd movies, every one of those movies would have been better. Because he would have been able to put his influence. Correct. As he kept going, he could have said, no, I want to do this. No, I want to do that. And they would have been like, well, he's our James Bond, so I guess we have to. He Not would have to made, say. He would have made the role better because he would have had the ability to make it better. Yeah. Now, I will say, it's, I do love Pierce Brosnan, but I will say that Pierce Brosnan is not an actor who's going to step in and go, this is bullshit. Let's change this. This is not believable. Now, I know for a fact that he hated some of the dialogue in Die Another Day, because I just did all my homework <laughs> to, right. to be on James Bond and Friends, and I know that there were, you know, reading about the behind-the-scenes stuff, he was constantly walking into the writer's room 
and being like, what? I can't say this. But we're what that is. But that's but that's as far as it goes. He right. doesn't he doesn't take it any further than that. He doesn't say, "Do we really want to take it in this science fictiony, weird, invisible car way that we're right. that we're heading towards?" Because I don't think this is going to work. You know, instead of he's not that guy. He's just a pure. He's more of a pure actor. Whereas I feel like Timothy Dalton has a very specific point of view, much the way Daniel Craig has a very specific point of view, mm-hmm. whether or not I agree with it. Uh, that remains to be seen, or maybe it is perfectly seen. Are you trolling um, me right now? <laughs> Are you trolling me? I might be right now. I might be trolling you just a little bit. No, but, you uh, know what? I agree. I think you can say for every like Connery probably got more invested towards the end because they had to bring him back. Right. So I'm gonna we're gonna do it. This is how we're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. I think Roger sailed through every single movie just being Roger Moore. But he's so good at being Roger but you're, Moore. But you're absolutely right. But do you think he gave a shit about anything in those last three movies? Look at what got turned out in those last three movies. If he was genuinely concerned about the end product. Octopussy is fantastic, and okay, I will not. that's fine. But A View to a Kill. A View to a Kill's got some... This was, this was... Well, he didn't even want to come back for A View to a right. Kill. He and thought he was too old for the role anyway. Absolutely, and he was. But um, literally, it was like, ring, 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 ring. I'm going to say my lines now. Ring, <laughs> ring, ring, ring. Here we go. Yes, he was phoning it in, folks. But I don't think he cared. I mean, I'm sure he did care in the long term of I what it was. I think he cared because I think he, he had, he had such a good rapport with Cubby. Sure. But look at the lines he said. Look at the choices he made and the dialogue and well, things that he did. the lines were written for him. I, so. But did he argue them? I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Pierce doing the same thing. He showed yeah, up. He did his job. That's true. That's true. You know, I'm going to Remington steal this bitch and then we're fine. <laughs> right? <laughs> Timothy Dalton isn't that guy. No. He's much more actively involved. If I recall some of the stuff well, I the read. the reason why he left in the first exactly. place. Exactly. He really wanted to make James his own stamp on James Bond and they weren't ready for that yet. Yeah. He also didn't have Babs, you know, falling head over heels for that helps for him and letting him have whatever he wants. Yeah. Like a different Bond actor. Oh Danny. Oh Danny. <laughs> Daniel. 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 I love you, oh. Daniel. <laughs> it's true. Well that's about all we I think uh needs to be said about uh our Bond villain list. Yeah, yeah, I think we we pretty much covered it all. I do want to say, as an honorable mention, on the worst of them all mm. has to be Hugo Drax. I know yes, it's Drax. A Moonraker. Yeah. Michael Lonsdale. Yes. Because it was the most flat, uninspired, <laughs> boring performance of a villain I've ever seen in, I think, anything, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, he literally gets up there and he's like, hello, I'm Hugo Drax. I'm Hugo Drax. Look at my... Fine, Van Dyke, <laughs> Mr. Bond. And I mean, this guy, maybe that's what they told him to play that way. I don't know. Um, I, I remember this guy from this movie, and I also remember him from a movie called Name of the Rose that had Sean Connery in it, so sort of with James Bond, but not really with James Bond. And it's a much smaller role in there, but somehow the same level of acting seems better in this movie about a bunch of uh, monks coming over to have a conference I don't know. It's just, it, it was lackluster <laughs> for Bond. And there are some lackluster Bond villains out there. But it was even worse than Die From Another Die, Die Another Guy, Die Another Day. Die <laughs> Gustav Graves. Another uh, Day. Toby Stevens. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> die. Speaking of which, oh, no, I'll save her for when we do the movie. Never mind. Um, but yeah, 
So honorable mention to Hugo Drax, not the best Drax to ever be on the screen. That, of course, goes to Dave Batista yes. in the <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy movies. <laughs> hey, one other, uh, I don't know if this is not an honorable mention in terms of good or bad. It's just a mention. Is, uh, <laughs> is A non-denominational is, agnostic is, mention. Is the guy who played Lobot in... Empire strikes back as maybe the best Blofeld ever, <laughs> who you never see except the back of his head being dumped into a silo. <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. Let's, Cheers to that guy, John Hollis. Well done, <laughs> sir. Now I think we've been fully completist in our review of Bond villains. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> gotta get Lobot in there <laughs> because why wouldn't you? Exactly. But uh, hey, as always, we are always looking for you, our tens of listeners, to like, subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, interact. Yeah. So uh, please reach out to us. Let us know what you want us to talk about, what you want to hear about, what kind of reviews. Uh, our email is cicdeadrop at gmail.com. Instagram is Central Intelligence Cinema, separated by underscores. And on Twitter is at CIC SpyPod. And hey, also, if you want to show off your love of the CIC. Show off that you're one of our tens of listeners <laughs> to your friends and family. Please, why not visit our merch store? We've got a merch store. We've got t-shirts. We've got mugs. We've got iPhone cases and other little goodies. So uh, all you got to do is just go to the link at the bottom of our show description for this very episode that you're listening to right now. So if you're in Apple Podcasts, you just... Look at the show description, scroll down to the bottom, boom, right there. So easy. So check that out. You never know. Might find something pretty cool. And uh, speaking of uh, cool stuff like that, my offer still stands. I have some other very special merch that uh, <laughs> that, I'm Super willing, special. that I'm willing to give out if you show your love of the podcast in a form of a glowing Starry, starry, glowing, starry, starry. starry, right. starry I'm being night. repetitive now, but a five-star review. Five, not four, it... not three, not two, not one. Five. Yes. If you if you give us a glowing five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so that our show gets seen faster when people search for stuff like this, feed the algorithm, people. Feed it. Feed the monster. <laughs> but my offer still stands. If you give us a written glowing five-star review. Screen grab it, send it to our email, or DM it to me. I will send you a care package of either stickers, magnets, maybe even a keychain, or maybe all three. Ooh, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. And I love being a mystery. Because <laughs> I'm not above bribing our listeners. So uh, <laughs> I think we're all pretty clear that we're not above bribing anybody just to come listen to just our Just to show. come listen to us talk. And remember, once we get up to the hundreds of listeners, which means 101... <laughs> All bets are off, so you need to be getting that stuff in now. That's right. Get grandfathered in, man. That's right. You could say that I have an original collector's item because I left a five-star review. I was one of the tens. <laughs> hey, that sounds like an interesting shirt for our merch store. Hmm. Hmm. But uh, yeah, got lots of good stuff coming up. But uh, for now, I'm Ben. I'm Jason. And the CIC will return with more missions, more martinis, and more mayhem. That's right.